All right, greetings once again from Free Money Free. We're back here on a Monday morning. I think it's a little less windy today than it has been, so that's exciting. Although uh, it's spring in Nebraska, so what do we expect? Uh, anyway, we are here discussing Acts 15.36 to 16.15 this morning. It's an interesting passage. There's really kind of four separate sections. Um, I know we were talking a little bit beforehand, and you said there are several things that you have questions about, so looking forward to diving into those questions. But let, let's just start with how is God impacting you the most, Jim, as, as you looked at Acts 15.36 to 16.15. What, what was it that God put on your heart first and foremost? Yeah, I think about um, just thinking back to yesterday. I mean, it's always, I feel a little bit like a broken record in the sense that I do feel that it is always convicting for me in thinking about my lack of proclaiming Christ to my community, you know, yeah. whether it be to, with my neighbors or if I'm around town, you know, that I just don't, you know, just because my life revolves around the church and being at the church and working with people at the church, my ability to uh, proclaim Christ, I think is a little bit limited and that's not an excuse. Um, and so I do feel like uh, th- that's always something that I just go, yep, I'm, I still struggle with this. And so, I mean, I get, I'm, I'm glad that it convicts me and it bothers me, um, but I need it to do more than that. Like I need to do something with that. Yeah, I mean, that, that was clearly convicting for me also. Yeah, I, I think you look at the book of Acts and... Yeah, you know, like I said yesterday, I don't want it to be like a hey, let's let's beat ourselves down here. You know, we're terrible; they're better. Like, you know, obviously they have their own messes as well, and I understand that the context is different, and you know, they're 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 sharing to people who've never heard before, whereas we're in a different context where people have heard a lot about Jesus, and it's hard to know how to go forward. I, I get all that, um, but at the end of the day, like I I want to be more bold, um, and I want to be more courageous and I want to be more forthright and just sharing more openly where I am with Christ in a way that they did. Um, right. There was an urgency they had that sometimes I feel like I probably lack. Right. Let me ask you this question, thinking about context, right? So in, in the days of Paul, um, you know, the first place he would always go is, is he would go to the temple, right? And yeah, that's where he would begin, be, begin uh, talking about Jesus, you know, even, and so in this passage, I thought it was interesting in chapter 16, what it says in verse 13, what says on the Sabbath day, they went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. So obviously they, I get the sense when you read acts that they were going to religious places mm-hmm. to talk to people who are obviously interested in religious things. Yep. Now, this one, it may sound like, you know, that there must not have been a temple, a Jewish temple here. Right. The The general thinking, I mean, and again, obviously we don't know, but the general thinking is that it took 10 men to form a quorum to be able to have a, a temple or a synagogue or a temple, I guess. Um, so uh, the idea, like, because they're speaking to women, the thinking is that, like, there probably just wasn't enough men to actually... F- like you had to have 10 to constitute an official gathering where you could have a temple gathering or, or right. go to the synagogue. Right. Um, and so 
yeah, I think here they they probably heard rumor that there was a gathering of prayer, and the fact that it's mostly women would lead you to believe that this is just a, a town or a city. I think in this case we're talking about Philippi, which has a small Jewish population. In fact, not even enough to have ten men to form an official gathering. Um, right. So that's why they're gathered there. Right. And so it seemed like their their mode of operation was they went to a place where there were people who were interested in spiritual things, and yep. they went to those places to talk to them about spiritual things. Yeah. We don't really have that today. You know, so I do think like culturally, like like so I wonder, would Paul like would he just go to High V and start talking to people about Jesus because that's where people are? You know, or you know, I'm just like that's interesting to me to think about like I don't think that there's a place like this today where Paul and Barnabas would have gone to. Um and so I'm just trying to think like like where do we where do we even like like I don't know, like just culturally it just seems to be different and I don't know how to take things like this and inform it into like where we are today. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I, I've thought a lot about, so I've been on several mission trips. Um, in particular, I've been to Taiwan on three different occasions. And I think about like when I've gone to Taiwan, probably every single day I'm there, I've shared the gospel with someone. Um, and so I, I've, like, I've just been thinking about that recently and trying to make sense of that. Like, okay, why is it that when I'm on these trips, um, I'm more proactive in sharing the gospel, whereas here, I'm not that way. And I, I, don't, I, I don't know that I've really sorted out in my mind, like, is that I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's a hypocrisy, I don't think, where I'm like, well, here I'm this way and here I'm not. Like, it's just, it is different, right? Like, right. Um, when you're going to a place where very few people have heard about Jesus, there is something different mm-hmm. um, as opposed to here. Like, I mean, you and, you, you and I both know this. Like when people come into our office asking for help with things, groceries or gas or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I make a point every single time that happens to talk about Jesus. And right. I've yet to encounter a person who's like, I've never even heard about this. Tell me more. Like, right. they, they're all right. like, oh, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Now, the, the the percentage of them that I think are actually Christians after having talked with them is very small, but they right. all are able to talk about Jesus dying on the cross, right? So, right. It, you know, it's it's hard to know, like, what it is hard to know what to do with that, right? right. Like, um, and then, yeah, I, I'm just kind of rambling out loud here, but I'm just wrestling in my own mind, like, why is there such a difference for me when I'm on a mission trip as opposed to here? Right. And, like, is some of that just the context we're in? Like, uh, some of it's probably my mindset that I'm going there with the sense of like, hey, you know, I'm taking time out of my schedule. I'm, you know, spending a lot of money like right. um, to go on these trips. Like, so I need to I have a purpose. Like, this is my purpose. Like, and, and perhaps I should have that mindset here more. I think that's probably true. Right. But it, it's a different context, too. So. I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think, I mean, so I've been to like, I've been to Egypt, I've been to Ecuador. And I think about the times that I was there, like, uh, you know, it is interesting, like, because you're an American, you, you, you have a different level of like, I don't know if respect is the word, but like people are more willing to listen to oh, you. They're kind of interested. Here we yeah. Say, maybe. Yeah. They're interested in hearing you. Like, why are you here? And you start talking about Jesus, and they're interested in hearing that. And I also think there's more of an openness as well, like that they are more open to hear about the gospel. Um, Whereas I think here, there's a lot of people that just aren't interested. They're not interested in spiritual things. They're just not interested. They just don't really care. 
So I think for I think that's part of it. And I also think it's like I'm here for a week and then I'm coming home. You know, if yeah, they there's say not a lot no of relational collateral. They say no, okay. You know, but if if someone that I know, my neighbor or the person I regularly see at Starbucks says no, well now are they gonna think I'm weird or are they gonna be like uh, standoffish or are they going to even be like, you know, aggressively angry, you know, or offended or, and so I do think some of those things come into play that I, I think as well, but I just don't think there's a lot of people that are interested. And I think that's hard for me to get motivated when I think that they're just not really all that interested to begin with. I suspect, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think I, there's probably more people interested than we know. Um, I think we probably say no for them more in our heads than in reality. Like there might be more of an openness. However, I do think what you said is true that like in my experience, like when I've talked to, again, I'll just use my experience of speaking Taiwan or even when I went to Turkey, um, there was more of an openness to hearing about it because there, there was a bit of a, I've never heard this before type thing as opposed to here. Most people feel like, well, I've heard this before. Like, right. And then, and then right. you get in the whole trickiness of like a lot of people say they're Christians, even though they're clearly just a cultural Christian and they haven't really, they're not professing a saving faith. It would seem pretty obvious, but then you right. have to try to convince them. Well, you're not actually a Christian, even though you say you are like, cause you haven't actually believed this. Right. Right. So I, I don't know what to do with that. Like in, and there's, there's part of me that's, that wonders sometimes like, okay, like Jesus says, if you go here and they're not interested, you know, shake the dust off your sandals and move on to another place. Like there is part of me that wonders like, do I need to go place that's more open? Like I, I, right. I don't even know what to do with this. Like, so right. at this point I have very few answers. And if anyone's listening to podcasts, they're like, well, this right. isn't real helpful. Cause I, I don't, I, but I'm just trying to process like, what do we, what do we do with this? Like, so some of it I do think is, is our own selfishness or our own preservation of reputation. I, I think I'll just say that for myself. Some of it I think is a preservation of reputation and a desire to be liked. Yep. I think there's definitely some of that. Yep. I think it would be unfair to say that there's nothing contextual about it, meaning that there's not challenges here that are unique to where you were in Egypt or I'm in Taiwan. They're just different, right? Like, right. So that's the part where I have to say, okay, there is just a difference here. Like, But I do think some of it, like, so what I want to do is just acknowledge, okay, there is a contextual difference and be willing to say, hey, I, I just need to, that's just the truth. But on the other hand, I want to say, okay, what if this is motivated by my own desire for self-preservation and reputation that I just need to repent of right. and be more courageous? Right. Right. And then just, you know, really pray, like, for my own heart to be more burdened and to be more sensitive. Yeah. I think those two things are important, to be more burdened for the lost and be more sensitive that, like, here's an opportunity Let's see where this goes and to be sensitive to that and then be bold enough to act on it at that point. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Tanya and I actually had a conversation about this last night for me, like given my job, like I need to carve out spaces where I'm around non-believers more often. Um, and where I'm willing to, to say yes to things where I, I have more opportunities to be around non-believers. Because part of the challenge for you and I in particular is our job is not like we have a secular workplace where, you know, we have a uh, hundred coworkers that don't know Christ. Like, right. cause when we come into the office, you know, I, I feel pretty confident saying that everyone who works here knows Jesus. Um, I hope so. And so that, that makes it harder to figure out well, where does, where does that, where do we do like, but I, I've, I've got to take more steps to be intentional and in being around non-believers. That would be one of the things that I was convicted of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. 
I don't know. I, I feel like we're not offering many answers. Like, but I, I, I do feel convicted. What I said yesterday is that I do think at least on a daily basis, I need to be praying, God, give me opportunities. And it needs to right. be back on my radar instead right. of just putting on the back burner and giving myself excuses. Like, right. You know, maybe, maybe it is different contextually. Maybe I won't have opportunities all the time, but at the very least I need to be thinking about it. Right. Right. And absolutely. Looking for opportunities where I can. Yep. 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 All right, well, let's get to some of your questions. I know you said you had several things that you're wondering about in these uh, verses. So what's what what were you chewing on? Yeah, so I was just, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I just think there's so many things going on here that are so interesting to me. I don't know if there's, maybe the, the one question that I have was they seem to make a big deal that Timothy had a Jewish mom and a Greek dad. Right. And is that what played into him getting circumcised is because his mom was Jewish? Do you think that's what it was? Or because he was this half-breed that he felt like he needed him to be circumcised? I mean, it seemed to be really, really strategic in there. And was it the, you know, that heritage background? Like, why did Luke take the time to feel like he needed to include, I mean, he talks about twice that his father was a Greek. Like, that seems like he's really saying, hey, remember this. I mean, more than his mother, the idea that, hey, you need to remember this about his his dad. Right. So I didn't know if maybe as your studies, you know, some things get left on the cutting room floor. Yep. Just wonder if that was something that you found something that was interesting or intriguing, but yet didn't have time to really expand on it more in the passage. So let me, let me compare Timothy and Titus. Okay, in Galatians, Paul says he didn't have Titus circumcised. Um, because he felt like the truth of the gospel was at stake, that there were some contending that circumcision was necessary for salvation, and therefore to, for Titus to be circumcised would have implied that he bought into that. I think there's two reasons why Timothy circumcised and Titus was not. One of them has to deal with that, like that there was there were people claiming this is necessary for salvation, and Paul knew that for Titus to give in to that, would have been an implied, like, you're right, it is necessary for salvation. I don't think that's necessarily happening here. And so Paul probably feels more freedom. I do think that his background of being half Jewish is the other part of it. Um, that because he was half Jewish and half Greek, I think there was a sense, and, and if I understand correctly, typically someone who grew up with a Jewish mother would have grown up being circumcised. So why he wasn't circumcised is a bit of a mystery, if I understand that correctly. Mm. Um, so I think there was, there was maybe some question amongst the Jewish people, like, why are you, why would you deny your Jewish heritage? Mm. Like, are you, because here's the thing, like circumcision wasn't necessary for salvation, but it wasn't prohibited either. Like, right. it wasn't like they were saying you can't be circumcised. That's not the case. They're just saying it's not necessary for salvation. Right. And so I think the question with Timothy would be like, well, you have a Jewish heritage. Why weren't you circumcised? Like, right. do you, do you think that Judaism has, do you think the old Testament is not valid? Like, do you think that that your background, are you shunning it? Like, and so I, I think that's a huge part of why Timothy is circumcised and Titus was not because he was half Jewish and because for his Jewish, the Jewish audience they were trying to reach, which it's clear that they were trying, he, he had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places. In other words, yeah. he didn't want to be a distraction to them. And given his background as a half Jewish person, I think it became different for him than it was right. for say Titus. So Right. Yeah, I, I think his background plays a huge, like, it plays a huge role in it. And now this is where it's just tricky for us, like being non-Jewish people. Like, I just don't think we understand how big a deal that right. is. Um, right. But I, I, I think from what I've read, those are probably the two reasons why you had Timothy circumcised and Titus. Was so not. Titus is a Gentile 
full fledged. That's 100%. how I would take it. Yes, not, not any, be, not any Jewishness in Titus. Correct. We've got half that would be my Jewishness in Timothy, and yep. maybe because it says there in that the second half of verse three, where it says, "For they all knew that his father was a Greek." Like, was this like the father was like, "Nope, my son's not going to get circumcised when he's born." Yeah, it is interesting that they emphasize that it, they all knew that his father was a Greek. Right, uh, you right. Know, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that other than to say that they, they were aware of his ethnicity, right. and that somehow right. made a difference. Right. That even though that even though the the son of a Jewish mother should be circumcised, that the Greek father could have said, "Nope, I don't care. We're not going to have that done, my boy." Yeah, and I that mean, does seem to me that does seem like right. what might have happened, right? So, so would that in in that sense would that kind of make would that make Timothy like a Samaritan? I mean, is I mean, Samaritans were half breeds, right? Does he fit in that category, or is it just half Jew, half Greek? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I never saw anything where they made a direct comparison to the Samaritans, right? But they you don't, have to it, imagine he's got his foot planted in both worlds in a pretty right. awkward way, right? Um. So, uh, yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that he, his background made him unique right. and, and made it difficult for him to figure out what world he was living in. Um, and in this case, since they're trying to reach Jewish people, that half background kind of made it like, well, you know, are you with us or are you not? Like, right. um, and so I think that's why Timothy says, hey, let's just go ahead and get circumcised so people don't question, are you banning your Jewish heritage? Are you saying that circumcision is, is not even allowable at all? Like, let's just right. get that out of the way so that we can minister to the Jewish audience. They know your background, but now they're going to know, hey, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't be circumcised. I'm just saying it's not necessary for salvation. Because in verse 4, they then repeat the council's decision, which was the circumcision was not necessary for salvation. Right, so this right. is not a repu- reputation. This is not a rejection. We'll say it that right. way. I can think of the right way to say right. that word. It's not a rejection of what the Jerusalem Council did. Rather, right. it is it's just them taking into the account the unique circumstances and trying to right. operate the best they could. So this is probably Paul thinking in the way of let's be sensitive to the weaker brother in this situation, and the weaker brother being the Jewish believers. Yeah, you know, much in the same way, like where Paul says, "I won't eat meat." with certain people because I don't want to offend the weaker brother that right. that this might be one of those situations where it's not necessary for salvation, but for the sake of let's not offend the weaker brother to go ahead and do this. Yeah. I think that's probably what's going on here. Right. I, I don't think, again, I don't think he, he's definitely not saying that circumcision is necessary for salvation here. I think he's right. just taking account the unique circumstances and this where the Christian life does get tricky, right? Like to try right. to figure out like, how do we apply it across all situations? And I right. think the fact that Paul in some cases says, yes, be circumcised, in other cases says no, reminds us like that sometimes figuring these things out is not easy. Right. Um, but I, I, I think what we can say safely is he was not at all implying that circumcision was necessary for salvation. Right. I think this emphasizes where what Paul says, I can't think where it specifically he says it, where he says, for, you know, I'll be all things to all people so that some might be saved. Yeah. Like, this is Paul's way of saying, and, and this is, you know, to get to really, like, the application here is, for the purpose of the gospel, let's break down any barriers that could be there so that we could see some come to know Christ, because that is what the most important thing is. Yeah. And so for us to think about what are things that we need to be sensitive to to the world around us that we don't want to build, that we want to be more about building bridges than building roadblocks for the gospel in the lives of people. And that sometimes we need to let go of our own preferences for the sake of the gospel, right? Yeah. 
Can you think of any particular examples? <laughs> I I mean I don't I don't know that I know, but do you have anything in mind? Right. I mean, I'd have to really sit down and think about that off the, you know, um you know, because off the top of my head, I'm not grabbing anything. I'm sure an hour later after this is over, I'll think of something really fantastic, but I don't I don't have one at the moment. I don't know that I do either, but I I think there're probably if we were to we were to think about there's probably some that we could work through but i think so let's let's extrapolate the principle because maybe the specific application isn't as important i i do think we have to ask the question sometimes like why are we doing what we're doing like is what we're doing informed by just the way things have always been done or is it informed by what the bible teaches um and are there things that we're doing that are a hindrance to the gospel that we're doing just because we've always done it as opposed right. to thinking like, well, this is a straight teaching of the Bible, right? Like, right. so in this case, okay, so circumcision. The issue is, is, is not necessary for salvation, but it's not disallowed or it's not prohibited. So in some circumstances, it's probably worth being circumcised, and others it's not. Right. Um, and I think there's probably instances instances like that we could think of in our culture. Okay, I'll I'll give one here. So growing up Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist Church. Um, most Southern Baptist churches, in order to join a church, you should have received believer's baptism. Okay. Um, we don't have that here mm-hmm. uh, at E-Free. I think there's some cultural context things of baptism that are, are very sensitive towards just sure. because of, of, I think baptism is a very complex issue in, in this Fremont community. And I mean this area of Nebraska, not just Fremont per se. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not require believer's baptism for someone to be a member. That's something that the church tried to do before you came here. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And that did actually did not pass. Right. And I and I look at that and I go, you know what, that's okay, because I think for the sake of the gospel, I want to be sensitive to where people struggle with issues of baptism and understanding baptism because of maybe where they came from. And so whereas, uh, you know, I didn't get bent out of shape because that didn't pass, because I'm like, you know what, this can help continue spread the gospel. I'm okay with that, and I think I can let that one slide. Even though I may feel differently, I'm not going to make a big deal of it. Yeah. yeah Does that make that, sense? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to think through all the implications of that. Like, But yeah, I think there's there's that's probably an example. I mean, I guess one that came to my mind is, you know, maybe, maybe there's a person who's, I don't know if I want to go here, but I'll go here. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think maybe there's a person who'd say, I, I don't want to go to a, a neighborhood party where they're drinking alcohol. Sure. Um, but another person would say, well, yeah, but that's, that's how we're, you know, this is what my neighbors are doing. And so I'm going to go to be a, a light for the gospel. Right? right. And, you know, I think that it gets tricky to figure Those out. Those are like, complex maybe, nuances. You know, there's all kinds of questions like, well, is there drunkenness happening? Like, is there, you know, and am, I, am I okay if that happens and I'm there? Like, you know, what's my, what's my level of um, conviction on those issues. Also, like what's my susceptibility to temptation? Like if I go there, will I be tempted to, to partake in sin in some way, like into get drunk myself or whatever? Like, I think there's just a whole bunch of questions where Christians could disagree on certain issues of what's best to do for the gospel. Like, sure. And I, you know, I'm not even getting into more complex issues of alcohol there, but I'm just using that as an example, like where some person might say, you know, I shouldn't be at any place where there's alcohol. Another person will say, well, that's where I'm going to reach non-Christians. Like, right. And so, you know, it's just a, a 
situation where you're weighing out like what's the right thing to do here and and good christians could probably disagree about it right. i don't know if that's a one-to-one example either like i don't know it's, it's tough to figure out what's the exact equivalent of this in our culture but i think it is a weaker brother principle where we're just trying to think like what can we do to remove distractions from the gospel um while acknowledging that there are some areas where it's hard to figure out what to do yeah you know a couple other things i thought were interesting is um, Paul's just like us, right? Like, I thought it was interesting to think that Paul and Barnabas got into a really, really big argument yeah. that they actually split over. Right. Like, like, you know, th- th- that surprised me that they couldn't resolve their differences. You know, and even then with the Macedonian call that Paul got told no. You know, like you would think... You mean before the Macedonian call? Right, right. Before the Macedonian call, they had places they wanted to go, and the Holy Spirit told them no. Like, I would think Paul would be able to go spread the gospel wherever he wanted to spread the gospel, because that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's interesting to me how the Lord works. You know, the Lord works in really interesting and unique ways that he can take an argument that wasn't good, but turn it into something good, because the gospels multiplied, and Paul and Barnabas split, and... You know, I love the redemption story of John Mark that you hit on. Yeah, and I, a I didn't bit. mention that in the first service, like, but I did in the second. That eventually Paul and John Mark do, like, Paul does see the value of John Mark and says, bring, you know, bring him to me. He's a great company. He's useful for ministry. Yeah. You know, that, like, in a sense, you know, and that's the thing. I, I mean, Barnabas is such this guy, right? Like, he goes to Paul when no one else goes to Paul. Right. He goes back to John Mark when no one else goes back to John Mark. Um, you know, he is truly is. He lives up to his name of son of encouragement, right? right. Um, and yet it is interesting that Paul couldn't see himself in John Mark, right? Yeah. Um, that he couldn't see, well, you know, I was kind of a mess and Barnabas believed in me. And you know what? John Mark's kind of a mess too. And if Barnabas believes in him, maybe I should. You know, the interesting thing though is that, um, you know, J- John Mark does not, or actually uh, Luke does not tell us that Paul was wrong to think that way, right? Like he doesn't say he doesn't, Paul was wrong, right? That's true. He and doesn't. I don't, I you know, I don't know, I don't know that we should necessarily gather the, the, I guess the conclusion that he was wrong. Like sure. maybe he was right to be concerned about. Sure, but on the other hand, it doesn't say that Barnabas was wrong either. Like right, I I don't know. I, I do think it just paints a picture of the humanity here. Um, that's helpful. Uh, just to see like they're real people and they make real mistakes and yet right. God still uses them. Right, and to think that when, when I mean, I've thought of some hurtful things that have happened in my past to go, you know what, if God could work the way Paul and Barnabas worked out, that he's probably working in something in my painful moments in the past as well, and, you know, and to trust in that. And, you know, the thing with John Mark took decades to come to, you know, come to that place, right? It's not right. like that was just like six months later, Paul says, go get John Mark, he's useful for me for ministry. That took time. Right. And to know that the things that maybe have hurt me, you know, five or 10 years ago, I may not know the results until 30 years from now. Right. You know, or not know until eternity, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think the encouragement of this passage, though, is that God used both of those circumstances. And so even in our sin, even in our mess, even in our our plans that go one way and and God taking us another, God is still at work. Right. And that's encouraging. Right. And to know that when God tells us no, that that's okay. Yeah. Right. That's okay to get a no from God. Yeah. Because it means he does have a yes somewhere. Right. And say, okay, I'm going to trust you, even though there's disappointment. You know, there's always disappointment in the no. 
that we get. But to say, okay, there's got to be a yes somewhere. Because Paul does get a yes eventually. You get this beautiful story of Lydia's right. con- conversion, right? I love that the Lord opened her heart to yeah. pay attention to what was said by Paul. Yeah, I agree. And good. so... All right. Well, I think we've rambled quite a bit today. Did we so, ramble? Uh, well, I don't, oh, we did. I, yeah, I'm not sure how long we went, but I think I felt like I was rambling. So hopefully hopefully the Lord can put it together and be helpful for those of you who are listening. Right. Uh, next week, we're going to look at a great story of the Philippian jailer, Philippian jailer, this dramatic rescue from prison. So that will be uh, next week. I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's all the way through the end of chapter 16. Yep, verses 16 through 40, I believe, is where we are next week. So I would encourage you to read ahead. Another great passage on the way. In the meantime, have a great week.